thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel and Eduardo, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. Well, uh, I'm ready to go. So welcome to the Nice Self Podcast. I'm here with Daniel. Hello. And I am Eduardo. And Aquarius Part 2, man. Excited because the first episode we always use to break down the labor of Hercules and then kind of open up a little bit about, you know, its astrological significance to how the story was, you know, written and how it's interpreted by Alice Bailey and by, you know, you and I whenever we, um, you know, uh, break down the labor. But we leave a lot of... Uh, things out just for this part two where we really take it a little further than I think we want to in, in the beginning um, when we when we start with with Aquarius in in the labor of Hercules but now fully just immersing in like what this all represents and I think people have been waiting for this and I know that our last conversation we had a lot to say about many things um, still with this Aquarius energy but um, now we can really go deep and so I'm excited to, to do that you know um so I'm gonna let you go ahead and get started, man, because I have a whole list of things that I put down from the first episode that have nothing to do with the labor um, and more pertaining to just Aquarius, not just Aquarius, the age of Aquarius, but also, you know, the zodiac sign and, you know, where we find ourselves currently right now after this powerful moon last night. So here we go. Yeah, perfect, man. And, you know, we when we kind of approach these later signs, just like we were kind of speaking about, we, we've moved from the subjective and we're more into this objective awareness of spiritual development and the need for the collective to continue this evolution of this universal unfoldment that we're all, you know, bearing witness to in this, in this moment that we kind of find ourselves. And Aquarius What's really unique about Aquarius and Pisces is they're really, we kind of talk about how the later signs start blending things together, and they're really going to actually be our blending point between traditional astrology and modern astrology. And that's actually going to be with the rediscovery of the planet Uranus and the, the planet Neptune. And that plays a huge role because we really kind of, can see the the ramifications of what this sign means. Mm. And we spoke about it earlier. It's it's really hard to actually explore Aquarius without actually like taking in Capricorn and Pisces together. They actually have this unique kind of combining force. And that's what we're going to kind of explore with the esoteric ruler, which is actually Jupiter. Right. But Aquarius in the past was traditionally ruled by Saturn, and we're going to kind of talk about this this other variation of Saturn, which is a little bit different than what we explored with Capricorn. But the modern representation of it is going to be Uranus. And Uranus is the sign of a better tomorrow. Uranus is all about revolution. It's going to give us a better understanding of our need to connect with humanity. It's, you know, when we think about Aquarius... The best way to kind of think about it is like looking at a forest and seeing all the trees and seeing their unique distinction and almost like even their unique personalities as you kind of go into nature, but knowing that they're all connected by common roots. 
But all of the trees and all of the plants and all of the other vegetation in the forest, everything serves a purpose. You know, Aquarius is this very mature sign because we see that everything in creation has a purpose. Right. You know, it's not, you know, and we learn to love the things that we might not have um, an initial attraction to, you know, like looking at the thing of like a cockroach. You know, Aquarius doesn't mean that you have to cuddle with cockroaches and be like, oh, this is my new pet. But we do see that there's actually a very specific purpose that cockroaches serve. Mm -hmm. And that's what this identification really kind of comes from, that everything in creation is growing to fulfill a purpose. And not only is it going to be in nature with animals and the biological kingdom, but also our own role as self-conscious individuals. And what we really kind of learned from Aquarius is the strength of the group is dependent on how strong the individual is within the group. And then making that network and making that community and, and helping with the unification process. Right. And that's where the strength is going to kind of come in. And so Aquarius and Capricorn, which was the last sign that we investigated, it's very important because just like we were talking about in Da Vinci's Last Supper, these are the only two disciples in that picture that are not looking at the Son of God. They're actually looking into the future. And we speak about this as these are the the um, the disciples and these are the astrological energies that can actually put energy towards the future. You know, we speak about the term of like planting seeds that we're not going to bear the fruit of. And this is what these these signs kind of offer. And Aquarius really gives it with innovative, inventive ideas. It actually ties a lot to Aries here with the idea of like breaking out of the mold, doing something revolutionary. But we're also going to see the dark side of things, of you know how intentions could be really great, but there can always be a shadow of everything. And we, we kind of learn that in Aquarius. And it's, it really is. It's like we can see as this age of Aquarius started to go into full swing, we've seen this expansion in technology. And although technology has done so much to create leisure and, you know, it has helped us so much, it's also imprisoned us in a unique kind of way, and we've right. become dependent on it. And so Aquarius is kind of that unique understanding of that. You know, Aquarius with the planet of Uranus also represents revolutions, and we can see that in history. A revolution can have a very pure reason for the start of the revolution. But sometimes a revolution is just a wheel, and sometimes that freedom fighter finds itself as a dictator by the end of that cycle. Right. And so with all other signs, with great power comes kind of great responsibility. But it's, it's such a good investigation in where we're kind of going and what this, what this kind of represents. And gotcha. so... Um, but it is, it's it's this fixed air sign. Right. So it's it's highly intellectual, but it's taking the intellect and blending it with the intuition. And so although we call it like a very intellectual sign, that term of spiritual discernment is really one that's going to be the what we kind of want to focus on here. Right. Because we are working with water, because it's the water bearer, which represents the intuition. And now it's showing the skills of carrying your intuitive capacity and using it in a way to serve others. Right. Because, you know, you think about like the needs of others. Well, what do people need more than anything? 
is water. You know, even before food, if you don't have clean sources of water, you're not going to live very long. And so it's this life bringing, nurturing energy that not only can provide, you know, um, you know, the water in the moment, but it also can plant the seeds because you need the water to nurture the seeds for further growth and development. Gosh. You know, um, whenever I look at my notes, I love that, you know, where you're going with this is something that I've already wanted to talk to you about. And that's that revolutionary intellect that you're presenting and, and what you did, the analogy of the wheel about how that freedom fighter eventually becomes a dictator is exactly what I wanted to talk on today. Um, so that's awesome. I'm really glad that you already kind of covered that because it's true, this revolutionary intellect, um, you know, it, it requires more than just the intention behind it, but also careful consideration as to what the intention is going to bring in that outcome. And what you just said that I think is, um, you know, perfect for this, this, this idea is the relationship to water and how, you know, it must be purified before it actually aids anybody in uh, moving forward altogether as, as a unit, you know, and surviving rather than just, you know, going full force and, and not really considering again, the outcome of the group. And I think that, you know, we learned a lot about that through transmutation also, as far as like, what, what, you, what are you transmuting? Like, what are you going to convert from this, you know, element to another element? What are you really doing with the intention of converting that over for the greater, um, for the greater good? Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I love what you're saying, man, especially with his relationship to Uranus, because, you know, the water bearer that we talked about, you know, he, he is pouring this water over, um, but he's, he's, he's more, again, pouring this, um, that revolutionary intellect over all of us to mm -hmm. sort of be able to understand like what needs to be done. And I think we've already seen examples of it in the last rant that we had, I liked in our podcast was just about how things are already showing how we're making mistakes based on this sort of revolutionary need to change um, you know, the old ways, but if we're doing it too fast without that careful consideration. We're already seeing the ramifications very quickly. It's like, oh, this is what's happening with, whether it be like gender studies, whether it be like politics, whether it be like even just like pop culture, people are taking a stab at a lot of different things with the, the intent of like, this needs to be changed. This doesn't serve a purpose anymore, but not really taking into consideration like, okay, that's good energy to have in order to make the shift, but we need to sit on the drawing board first and sort of map out what needs to be done so that when we do take that energy, when it's all said and done, there was no real irreputable mistakes. And I think that we're doing that right now as a society, mm -hmm. you know, we are looking out for each other. So that essence is there because we're thinking, Hey, this is for the greater good of everyone to have this sort of inclusivity. We'll say about this sort of group of people. But if we're not really considering other people, then what are we doing? We're just isolating one group and we're canceling out another group over here. Mm -hmm. Like we need to look in a more broad uh, way, obviously, but this intellect that you're talking about um, will help us do that if we really know how to use it, you know, but I think it's easy for us being that we have these animalistic um, attributes to just like take charge. You know, it's fun to say charge and go over the hill and just mm -hmm. go, you know, let our legs take us there and pick up our fists up in the air without really having uh, a strategy, you know? And I think that many times before we've allowed someone else to be 
the person in charge to make a strategy for all of us to then take a stance forward. But I think now we are all that person at the same time. We all need to kind of look at each other and go, okay, we are all the commanders here. We are all the the people who are going to take this into the direction it needs to go to. There is no, no such thing anymore as an I. It's such a we thing that now we need to you know come to, together knowing that this we energy can have a lot of potential, but it can also have a lot of destruction. And so we need to like sort of you know, understand this intellect. Absolutely. And and this is this unique balancing spiritual life force of the me in here and the us in here. Right. Um, how do we balance with the group? And we see great intentions in Aquarius, but there's a great, that great, great quote that comes from so many spiritual and intellectual leaders throughout the world of, you know, everybody wants to save the world, but everybody, nobody thinks about saving themselves. And, and we kind of see this with Aquarius. There's this, this deep desire to, to limit the suffering of others. But we almost can get into a tricky situation in Aquarius because we become so a part of the objective that we do forget about the subjective. Mm. And it's like that idea that we spoke about where like you're at a table and you're scooping up food, but instead of putting it in your mouth every now and then, you're just putting it into the mouth of others. And although this is so great to do to take care of others and make sure that they're supported, what's going to end up happening is you're going to starve to death. You're going to fall dead on the table. And then the people that depend on you are like, what the heck are we going to do now? Now he's dead, mm. you know? And then that actually causes bigger mm-hmm. ramifications. Um, and so that's what this this Aquarius is. It's going to be very much this balance between this Aquarian objective energy and the subjective energy of its counterpart, which is Leo. And in Aquarius, that Leo lion truly becomes this amazing leader because not only did it find the fire of its own heart, but it now can start to perceive the fire of other people's hearts. Mm. And Aquarius is do a great job of putting people in the right positions. It can kind of see a unique talent. It's like, you know what you're good at? You're going to be good at this. And this is what actually makes a great leader is not by just like this raw, raw, listen to me, but it's by seeing the talents of the individuals that you're working with and helping them find the spot where they fit into the puzzle and where their unique part is in this evolution of consciousness. And so it's this unique kind of awareness um, that we kind of look at and, um, yeah, it's 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 really really you know, it's very expansive, but it can also be something that we have to take this this responsible nature with um, of how do we bring water to the people and do it in a way that's going to benefit them. And you know, just to kind of touch base again, one of the the greatest ways to kind of compare these two signs is that Last Supper painting, because when we look at Capricorn, it's looking to the future but its hand is in the past. And it's talking about carrying the true traditions of the past that need to be withstand and withheld and bring those into the future to provide support for a better tomorrow. And Aquarius allows for us, again, to kind of have some of those utopian, um, out-of-the-box thinking kind of components Mm. that's going to show that the future is not written yet. And we can kind of make these really big drastic changes. And so when you kind of think about if you were going to break down these two in like movies, you would almost say like Capricorn is like a good a good movie to represent Capricorn would be Lord of the Rings, like where we came from, the spiritual foundations of the past. And Aquarius would have a great term as anything science fiction, like even Star Trek. 
And if you actually look at the sigil of Aquarius, it's the ship that they based the Star Trek Voyager off of. Yeah. It's it's what they every time I'm doing a natal chart. So like Star Trek is in my chart, and I'm like, oh, most definitely Star Trek's in your chart, you know. And it shows it shows this area in life that you're very unique. It shows an area in life that you have a a very global outlook on, and it kind of shows the area of life that you can kind of help plant seeds for the future. But that's exactly what it is. It kind of has that scientific feeling to it, and you know, it's it's all about that electromagnetic energy. When you look at the glyph. There's two waves. And people, when they think about it, they're like, oh, are those water waves? It's They're actually electromagnetic waves. And so anything that we see in technology from computers, the internet, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, all kind of belongs to this, this Aquarius kind of energy of, again, invention and innovation and how important it is to be innovative. You know, we think about intuition and when we first think about intuition and get connected to it, everybody kind of thinks about intuition through like the feeling inside that the universe is speaking to you, kind of like that cancer feeling. Mm. Well, intuition works differently throughout all the signs. In intuition through Gemini, the angels speak to you through your curiosity. What you're curious about, the angels are actually guiding you. Like what you're curious isn't just this matter of fact thing. It's the angels are actually like making you curious because they need you to explore this this component of consciousness. In Aries, it's like our awareness. What what shifts our awareness? Well, that's what the universe is trying to get you to see. And in Aquarius, and with this Uranus energy that we're exploring. Our innovative creativity is part of our intuition. And this this allows us to have that kind of like Tesla, not the car company, but the inventor, where we we actually can make ideas that change the world. And we actually become like a conductor. We're a transmitter. It's almost like we're an antenna for these new thoughts that maybe have never even been thought before. Right. And how important it is to think outside of the box, to be, you know, on the outside looking in. And the unique perspective that you have, um, that's kind of afforded with that. Oh, well said, man. Well said, because it, it, it goes back to, again, I think this, this conversation will have a lot of the word ramifications in it. And also with the with this being the, the air element, you know, having that ethereal, um, you know, influence into this really causes for some problems that we're already talking about. Like when you were talking about the glyph and how the glyph is not necessarily just waves of water, but more like electromagnetic waves. It's great that we're in that time that we can understand like, hey, like I don't need this cord to connect to my device to then listen to this music. What amazing technology. And I'm talking about Bluetooth. But at the same time, it's like, well, what are the consequences of Bluetooth when the waves are kind of coming through you? Do we know yet? No, we don't. There's debates about it. But I know definitely with me, I'm pretty weary about it at times, but meaning that the, the intellect or the intelligence that we have right now and the need for, um, you know, creating and innovating is coming so much faster than the consideration for like the biological beings that we are. Sure. And and even like biologically speaking in terms of like our hunter gatherer, um, uh, you know, influences from the past that makes us a social being. We're also becoming unattached to that social, you know, aspect with technology, even though technology is making us more socially interactive, it's done by a very computer sense rather than like a more person to person way. Sure. So people are, are actively right now, and I can't speak for the world, but people in my circle of, 
you know, friends and family will complain of this. They're like, yeah, we have more technology to bring us together, but we're so far apart. And that's yeah. just like interesting that that's kind of what's happening with this sort of Aquarius ramification of intellect that we're, we've been talking about. It's like the intent is there and it took intellect to discover these things, but we're also like pulling out some other things that are, you know, they've, they've been going on for hundreds, if not thousands or since the beginning of time uh, in our lives, which is like how we socialize, how we interact, what we do to interact. And so I think that that's something that's very telling about this. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and this is actually kind of funny because on the drive over today, um, a song just kind of like came up randomly on my playlist and I haven't heard it in a long time. And it's actually from the uh, underground rapper Sage Francis, who's oh, wow. really epic, right? And I was literally had to like jot this quote down when I was driving over. And so I'm sorry if I misquote it, but I don't think Sage Francis listens to us anyways. <laughs> so, uh, but a great quote. And he said, technology made it easy for us to stay in touch while keeping a distance. Till we just stay distance and never touched. Now all we do is text too much. And it was just like, boom, that's Aquarius right mm-hmm. there. Like, yeah, this technology was brought for us to be so close, you know, and we're a couple clicks away from connecting to people all across the world, but we lack the ability to communicate. You go into restaurants and families aren't having conversation. They're, they're looking at their phones, you know, and there's this, this distance that has been kind of created with this like social media and things. And so the, the dark side of this, the flip side of the coin, you know, everything's going to have consequences, just like we create a shadow. Well, so does inventions and so does technology. And this shows why individuals have to be strong. It's so important at this time to be a strong, self-aware individual so you can take this technological advancements that we're all experiencing right now with responsibility and poise. And we don't kind of jump into it because, you know, you're right. Like, yeah, Bluetooth is so great, but like those, you know, wireless headphones, they, they connect through your brain. You know, so it's just like, well, do I have like a, am I like cooking my brain like a hot pocket right now? You know, and there's like a lot of things. And again, you all do, you know, everybody does their own research and they do what they're comfortable with. But there is, there is kind of some of these ramifications that kind of come from it. I mean, every revolution, not even just political revolutions, but look at the industrial revolution. I was going to say that the industrial revolution had its- Which is, you know, which is a great one to represent, you know, because there is all of this invention- you know, we really made this capacity to provide for the growing populations, but we also got the nine to five. We got the disconnect from nature um, and just the pollution, everything that kind of comes from right. it, you know? Right. And so um, just kind of a fascinating thing to kind of think it is. about. It is. I mean, again, it, I think that innovation has always been this way where there's, you know, big thinkers who have already quoted these things multiple times down the road of like, you know, with this innovation, well, there will be consequences, you know, there will be always consequences, you know, but there are people who can't help themselves and they really channel in this ability to, you know, take on new inventions or new um, ideas that uh, in theory are going to help us evolve to a, a more safer and more happier and more utopian place. Sure. But uh, there's going to be some sacrifices made along the way because like everything else in life, it's a trial and error. And so even if the innovation is magnificent, you know, somebody's going to pay some kind of consequence towards that. Someone's going to suffer from, you know, what it took to make that, you know, we, we, we think slavery for instance is, is over, but 
you know, most of us are holding a cell phone that's made by a lot of people who are having to extract min minerals all over the world in third world countries that um, are paying the consequences for that, for sure. us to have this innovation in our pocket. And so, you know, again, it's, it's not going to be without consequence. And so it's, it's pretty fascinating that we're in this right now. And I think also we bear witness to it too. Like mm -hmm. ironically, the, we actually have this like parallel moment of like, look what I made, but look what it showed me that it happened after mm -hmm. I made it. And we're like, huh. So we're, it's like, we make great leaps. But we also have to make these great pauses at the same time. We're like, wait sure. a minute, do we keep going this direction? Is this the right way to do it? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's something else that I feel like we're, we're all kind of dealing with and people can tie that into even moments of anxiety when people yeah. are like, oh, what, where's this world going? Oh my God, mm -hmm. what are we, what are we doing to this planet? It's like, we're also bearing witness to some of the things that we are creating in real time, having that consequence we're talking about. So it's kind yeah. of fascinating. You know, Aquarius, why it's so late in the the labor of Hercules as the 11th spot, It because we're supposed to practice spiritual discernment of, yeah, we have the capacity to make this, but is it beneficial to humanity? Mm -hmm. You know, like thinking about the atomic bomb. Yeah, we have the right. capacity to split an, album, uh, an atom, um, but is it going to benefit humanity? Right. You know, is it going to be something that we that we kind of look for there. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's this interesting, interesting kind of, um, perspective that we will. And this is just quite the rabbit hole, but this just kind of like came into my radar oh, this wait. weekend, um, because I was just going down some, you know, I was going down some internet rabbit holes. Did you know that Victor Hugo, the famous French writer wrote that he felt the downfall of Rome was the sewer system, which we, the aqueducts is something we look back in history as like these great accomplishments. Right. I'm not saying I agree with this. I've not done roughly enough, re any closely to the research, but he was saying that human feces is the greatest composting material in the world. And we're just like pushing it away. And he was saying that like, we're never going to solve world population hunger issues while we're taking like this gold of our, you know, our, our waste and not actually like recycling it back into the earth. I um, mean, so he said that that was the downside of Rome hmm. and he saw that as like this negative thing. So even it like makes you ask all of these things. Now, again, I don't personally know. Um, I think it's, you know, there's probably a lot of benefits by like sewage, not making us sick and stuff, but everything has its, its reaction, you cool. know? Um, and there's things to kind of explore. And again, I not to get a million messages where people are like, you want to play poo-poo? No, I don't want to play poo-poo. <laughs> but like, I'm just saying, it's like something to, you know, be aware of, of, um, you know, how innovations happen and why we have to be responsible. And I think right. the atomic bomb is a safer one to kind of look at as like, what are the ramifications of our actions? And this kind of happened... You know, once we divorced ourselves from the metaphysical principles and the idea of attaching moral law to science and everything became, everything is equal, and we lost that moral code, it kind of opened up the doors to do a lot of these nefarious inventions because we have the capacity, like, why not try? You know, um, well, there's there's big ramifications. If, if the story of Atlantis is true, that should be the the case study right there of maybe, you know, there's certain kind of technologies that we don't um, really want to kind of mess with. And so it is, it's this, 
it's this interesting, interesting kind of role. And, you know, we're kind of talking about Aquarius in this Uranus kind of version um, and its idea of revolution and innovation. But, you know, traditionally it was Saturn. And Aquarius does kind of have this same kind of feeling that Saturn had in Capricorn of being on like the outside looking in. Aquarius cares so much about humanity and they'll do so much for them, but they kind of feel like aliens. Um, and they kind of are because there's a lot of things Aquarius is, if you have a lot of Aquarius energy, you actually have a lot of the solutions to what would solve this world. Like somebody with a lot of Aquarius energy looks at the situation we're in and it's just like, well, why don't we just let people authentically blossom who they are? If everybody could just authentically be who they are, are supposed to be, we would have no problems. And that's, they're 100% right. But they're like aliens from the future. Mm. And we have to pat them on the head because like, oh, no, we we still have to kill each other. Like, we can't, we can't accept it. Like, you're right, Aquarius, but we're not there yet. And the Aquarius kind of feels like not only is it out of time, it's out of place. And there's kind of this like, disassociation that it kind of feels. And so there, there's like this deep desire to help humanity, but then Aquariuses don't feel like they're a part of the humanity that they're helping. And so it's, it's again, it's this like being so smart that you're still kind of on the outside because it's such this like highly intellectual sign. And it's something that we all kind of feel in certain areas of our life, but it's something to kind of like explore and look into because there is this this like isolation feeling that Aquarius have as well. Absolutely. You know, they, they care so much for others, but they, they can't feel like sometimes that they can actually like connect with others as much as they care about them. Oh, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Actually, I, anecdotally speaking, I just was in, um, visiting a friend of mine and she's got a lot of Aquarius. I mean, her birthday was not that long ago, but that's what she does. She's a marriage counselor uh, and she's doing her master's in it. And she's a brilliant person. And this is exactly what she mentioned about herself without having to even talk about her sun sign being an Aquarius. She just meant, mentioned that like, I just want to help and find solutions. But at the same time, I compromise my own life for the greater good of the group. And that group might be just a couple that I'm helping, but I don't help myself in my own mm-hmm. personal relationships. And she's like, there's something I have to really figure out. Um, and she said, while I try to figure it out, I also kind of isolate myself even further. And then mm-hmm. I feel even more like I'm at, at a distance. So it's hard for her to come back mm-hmm. and get closer to her own self uh, mm-hmm. for that reason. So anyways, what you said is, is really on point. It was something her and I were discussing, but, um, yeah, nonetheless, um, I agree, man. And one thing I want to talk about though, when you made the distinction about, um, you know, how it's, you know, the planetary that, or the, the the ruling planet of Uranus being its influence when it was Saturn. What do you mean by when it was Saturn? Good, great question. Um, And so traditional astrology is only going to look at the seven visible planets apparent to the naked eye. And so it wasn't until we were able to, you know, discover optics that we were able to rediscover these later planets. Now, by looking at Babylon in early um, ancient Chinese maps, they knew of the planets outside of the visible spectrum. Mm. Um, And so we kind of, again, we falsely say we discovered these planets, we rediscovered these planets. Like these were known in the ancient times of Babylon and, you know, ancient Iraq in in those kind of regards. But the the outer planets play a different role. Um, 
so and it's like really important to kind of understand because we can't see them with the visible eye uranus neptune and pluto don't fall in they're like the next octave so just like we have seven notes and then the eighth note is the next octave they're the beginning of the next octaves and these outer planets really deal more with the collective and in like consciousness evolution of the group over time like pluto is that evolution of the um like the evolution of generations like like we've said like we're pluto and scorpio and the pluto that came after us was pluto and sagittarius and that's why they were a little bit more optimistic they were more accepting of others where we were really about like spit and venom with each other on the playground mm. you know where the the generation that came after us were were so much more accepting and um you know they they saw the greatness of like everybody it wasn't so clicky like you can kind of right. say you know like we were we were a good example of like a 1990s Hollywood high school movie, you know, very stereotypical and stuff. That was a good flashpoint of just of our generation. And so these are bigger evolutions. And so these outer planets, um, once they were discovered, they actually operate with us in a little bit different of a process. So if you remember our discussions on alchemy, and we talked about the transmutation of all those planets, how we were really kind of explore the planetary element and then take it through that process of transmutation. We still do that. But with the outer planets, you don't tr so much transmute the planet like you would with like Venus and Mercury in the inner planets. You transmute your relationship with the planets. Mm. There's not mm. much you can change with the collective, but you can change your relationship to the collective. And that's where that transmutation process kind of comes. And so it's the outer, it's it's not personal. Got it. It's the collective, it's the archetypal. And this is why we can have ideas that consciousness actually has not had in a very long time, or maybe ever with Uranus. It's actually like how God thinks through us. Um, and so it's it's not even sometimes a repetitive pattern. Sometimes it could be a brand new idea that has actually never been afforded to consciousness because it didn't have the container yet to be able to perceive it. And so that's what we kind of look at with traditional astrology and modern astrology. And then, you know, so there's certain um, astrological readings that you'll get that will just focus on the classical planets. Um the seven visible, and then you could work into some more modern approaches where not only you look at like Neptune and Pluto, but you could look at like asteroid meteoroid combinations like Chiron and other things like this. And so it, it kind of helps us through this evolution because as we kind of move, we have to break down that universal life force into mm -hmm. more parts to understand it. Um, and so it helped, it assists us as we go on that journey where in the ancient past, they didn't have to break God up into so many parts. They could perceive it and understand it in its wholeness more. Right. Whereas we go through these stages and we're in this, you know, this Kali Yuga, we we kind of have to break God up into as many parts as possible to see the whole picture. Right. Um, I mean, this is even why we started breaking up the the natal chart into houses. Traditionally, it was just a big circle. Right. It was just a unified thing. And then as we got more of this separation mentality in us and we became more separated from the first, you know, consciousness, we had to start breaking things up into parts a little bit more and like cutting them up. And that's that's kind of what the end of this Kali Yuga is. And we go back to that golden age. When we finally make it back to the golden age, we can start seeing the whole picture again in a little bit more of a rich, fulfilled understanding. Wow.
So, um, so they're fascinating, you know, and like Uranus and Neptune are really interesting planets. You know, like if you have Uranus and Neptune, like really close together in your first house, it's you're inventive and innovative and you think outside of the box, you're kind of unique. And, you know, Alexander Graham Bell had that placement, Nikola Tesla had this placement, all of these like big life-changing individuals have that like in their first house. And Uranus, wherever Uranus is in your chart, it's unique to you. It's like God is like speaking in like, Eduardo, I'm going to make this unique with you. And so it's kind of one of those processes that like you can learn from other people's experiences, but nothing is ever going to be quite your story wherever Uranus is. It's going to be very specific to your incarnation. Um, And it's... It's kind of like Pinocchio's nose. It's something we see as a challenge, and then we realize that it's actually like this beautiful blessing. And the universe made us unique because it made us special there. And it wants us to learn how to utilize that special skill. And we kind of have to take it with our own kind of revolution there and kind of rise above the revolution and not just get stuck in the cycles of it and and rise above it, just like we've always kind of spoken about. Um, But it does. Uranus has this unique energy. And I know we're going to kind of explore those outer planets, once we get done with the Zodiac and really kind of look at what they mean on a collective, you know, kind of like an astral theology. For season four? For season four, Ooh, yeah. So that will be good, spoiler. absolutely. And again, the, these are, you know, these are mythological figures. Like the ancients knew about these. Right, right. Um, but we had to get rediscovered to it. And we had to like pat ourselves on the back. Like, well, we were the first ones. It was just like, well, enjoy your ribbon, but. It's a yeah, fake ribbon. It's been there. Yeah. Okay. And, and interesting. No, and, and that's great, man. And we'll definitely jump into that when we explore more in 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 the next season or, or the next conversations that we put together. Because again, this has all been very enlightening for me and, and for many of the individuals who listen to this um to this podcast, they may be very well versed in a lot of um, you know, the significance of what you're talking about with regards to what we already thought we knew or what we've known for many, many years and then rediscovered again. But for me, it's a discovery all the time when I'm talking to you, man. I need to like sit down with you after the podcast a couple of times because, um, you know, e- even just like thinking back on when you do your natal charts, like do you approach natal charts that way as well, where you're incorporating that next octave? I mean, I'm assuming, but I, I can't assume always. I mean, yeah. And you know, like this is a great, actually great way to bring this up because how I do natal charts is so yearness. Okay. I use whole sign astrology, which is like one of the oldest housing systems that we have. And I look with modern planets. We look at your Neptune, we look at your Uranus, and we look at your Chiron. Even individuals that have like gotten natal charts done with me, they're like, I've never had my natal chart quite read like this. It's very unique. And there's other astrologers that have come on and they're like, who taught you how to read a chart, like the direction and the way that you do? They're like, very insightful, but like, who taught you this? And I'm like, I have no idea. Cause like, I didn't even plan on doing natal charts. We started, you know, that all started with alchemical counseling. And then the first person who I did alchemical counseling with was like, can you look at my natal chart? And I was just like, well, you should really get like somebody who's good at it, but sure, I'll take a hit at it. And then I started liking it. And I was just like, oh no, I really like doing this, but it's very Uranus. Like everybody that's like ever done it, you know, they're like, I've never had my chart quite read like this. Mm. And I'm not saying that I'm like extra special, but it's a unique way that I kind you're of... special to me. Yeah. You're special to me. Um, and you're all special to me. And But it's it's something that's unique to me. 
Um, right. It's got this like authentic thing of like, oh, that was a Daniel reading. And it's kind of, but it's really nice because it affords a new perspective for people where they kind of think they're coming in like, oh, this is what we're going to talk about. And then they're like, that crazy man didn't talk about anything I thought we were going to talk about. But right. it's they still feel seen and that's what it's all about. But um, I think, you know, yeah. uh, and again, this this is not even like a... Um, I'm only bringing this up, not even to to, pl- to plug your services. It's just like what we do here on the podcast is very self-evident here of what we're talking about with the collective in the age of Aquarius, because it's not so much one idea that one is trying to just say, hey, this is the way. It's like mm-hmm. there are many ways and it's up to you to maybe dabble in a lot of things in order to make up your own mind. Mm-hmm. But we're doing this all together. And same thing with the way we talk about all these philosophies. It, it doesn't have to be just from one individual specifically that we, you know, only reference to we take one topic that's been broken by many different people and we're just having a conversation between the two of us hoping that at least for me you've ever may have never heard of this or you have heard of this from nine other people and this is your 10th your 10th time around the same topic but with two guys who are really good friends who like to talk about this as well which Mm -hmm. only should serve you to be like hey I didn't know those things, or maybe, hey, these guys are completely wrong and out of their minds, but at least you're taking something out of it that it's making you more well-rounded. And Mm -hmm. I think that's part of that collective that we need to talk about with this revolutionary energy, because the revolutionary energy may carry you to want to discover more in regards to philosophy, in regards to ethics, in regards to morale, in regards to all the things that make us who we are as humans. But there's no longer, I think, the need to just stick to one way. Sure. I think you should just be open to it. And I think that what makes you unique in my, uh, from my understanding of when you've had your, um, when, when you've had your interaction with natal charts or even like all chemical counseling is that you've never declared like, this is the way, you know, you're not all Mandalorian about it. Um, but you're not saying this is the only, that there's more of this, hey, like this is what I've discovered. This is what I like like to talk about and i'm going to talk to you about it because you're asking me to talk to you about it what you take from it is up to you and i think that's very telling again to this aquarius uh era that we're moving into that doesn't like allow us to just take in information and go well i I think i got it figured out it's like taking the information and then sitting with it for some time is probably the most beneficial thing i personally um eduardo speaking can do Yeah, it's not so much like he said it, this is what it is. And so I think that's what makes things so exciting right now that we're able to not only plug into a lot of different uh, units of of information, but also take what we want from it and sort of sit with it and then maybe contribute to it in a greater way. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And we spoke about this in the past, but that's truly kind of this age of Aquarius is all about networks and the idea of networking, even esoteric knowledge not having to just be in one spiritual school anymore. You know, you can study Gnosticism, you can study alchemy, you can study ancient Chinese mythology, and you can blend them together because we actually have the afforded capacity with like the internet to do this. Where in the not so distant past, you were destined to your spiritual unfoldment was the mystery school that might've been available to you in your village or your town. You know, it's going to be a lot harder for somebody in India to study Druidism 
because that was such a far distance away and there wasn't a lot of resources. Well, now they can just kind of go online and they can read about it and they can kind of get incorporated. And so this age of Aquarius is really unique because we're we're fulfilling what Jesus actually did in the Gnostic oh Bibles. Oh gosh, yeah. you know? no, I just love, go ahead, go ahead man. I'm because, just smiling ear to ear because I was just going to say something about the, go, go, go. Sure, sure. No, and that's, you know, it's in, you know, Orthodox... Christianity, kind of exoteric. They they don't know what happened to Jesus between thirteen and thirty. Talk, they don't talk not about even it. Open to talking about exactly. It, you know? In that's some woo woo Christianity. Exactly. And right. the Gnostics are like, we know exactly what he was doing. He was traveling the world with Mary, going to all of these esoteric schools, learning the secrets. Exactly. Same thing that Pythagoras did. The same thing that all of these great. Um, spiritual teachers did. Right. They they went and they incorporated all of these lessons and. In the age of Aquarius, not only do we want to explore others, but we want to welcome spiritual students from other schools. It's not a competition where there's no, this isn't a thing of like what school is better than the other because it's all that network of information. Right. And even the idea of how, you know, s- subjects are starting to blend to the esoteric significance to where as you go through the process, you might have not been interested in mathematics when you were in school because they teach you in this like dead kind of way. But when you start seeing the esoteric significance of numbers, all of a sudden mathematics can become like one of the most interesting subjects in the world. Same thing with language. Yeah, I was gonna say literature. I remember you, Yeah, the, I was so jealous to not be a student in high school of Mr. Powinski's class when you told me what the students gravitated towards when you were teaching Shakespeare. And I thought that was beautiful because I was like, this is what people need, is is that it, the, the, the way to enter these subjects has only had one door and it, it's actually covering a very, once you make it through the door, if you're able to get that many students in a percentage of a room in through that door, not all of them are going to like stick around long enough to see the depth of what maybe these stories had to, you know, basically unfold through their, their, um, their, their era, their time of what they were doing. But you were able to be like, no, like, there may be one door, but let me just show you through these windows, like what exactly is you're going to be seeing uh, when you take on these like understandings of what I'm supposed to teach you. And when you told me that about Shakespeare, I remember I thought this is I, this is great because I've had teachers who were like, yeah, I'm going to teach you this, but like you're probably not interested, right? Like if you're not interested, then you know I'll you know, I can't mm-hmm. convince you to be interested. I'm like, no, you're already making it uninteresting by assuming that I'm not going to be interested. Right. What do you mean? Like, tell me more about what I'm about to learn. It's like, yeah, but I, I've been doing this for 20 years and most students that look like you or think like you probably aren't going to care about sure. this. It's like, why are you even already limiting me to this mm-hmm. interest? Um. So anyways. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's that's what this is. It's it's this network of communication, this network of ideas. And in Aquarius as well, we, we honor this this component too, that you don't just have to focus on one thing in your life. It's the network of your interests. It's the network of your skills. Um, how do I, how do I tie everything that interests me to kind of bring it into my passion project? We, the, the future is here and the future is unwritten. And we're starting to see this, even with how our generation is approaching their careers we're not going in the same formulated path anymore. One, we don't have the interest in it. And two, it's it's not there for us. You don't right. get a gold watch after 25 years by staying at the same job. They give you the finger on the day before your 21st thing and they're like, get out before we have to pay you anymore. You know what I mean? Like 
there's there's not that connection there's not that commitment anymore and so we are kind of asked to um you know take a look at because it's it's hard to even kind of single down like well i'm interested in a lot of things but i feel like i have to choose one thing well network those together you know, have multiple streams of income coming in. Maybe you don't need to have just one stream of income together. You know, Aquarius teaches you to like create a utility belt, a utility belt of your skills. Right. Not just have to focus on one thing, but what's the network of all the things that you do? And it and it allows for that to to see the bigger picture. And again, just to see the network of how all life works together. And everything is affected by the consciousness we bring to situations. You know, Aquarius reach shows us that everything in the universe responds to love, whether it's the smallest object we see or another human being. But there's a way that we can make a positive response on objects and, and energy, and there's a way to kind of, you know, make an, a negative response through pain and fear. And so it's it really kind of connects us together and we're, we're making our way back to this wholeness that we we broke away from in Aries because we had to be our own. Mm. And now we kind of come back together to be like, oh, actually, I've always been home and it's always been with me. And it's it's the network of all life that, you know, is ultimately the savior that we become is when we make these connections. Yeah. Yeah. No, well said, man. I mean, this is like the conversation. I think we're already getting ahead of ourselves in, in the first breakdown of Aquarius. I thought that was... Uh, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly talking to you about it because I know that you and I have had these conversations just even working together in this in this podcast and, and what this network really does and how it really expands beyond just a podcast and the conversations that we have here because there's many individuals who reach out to us who are, you know, at least in my experience, well, well versed in these topics, but even more well versed in um some of the topics we've already covered. And so it's not like I'm going to go back and, and, and change my, my, um, my recordings from what I, what I previously thought, but at least I have these, you know, um, acceptance of the people who listen that as I evolve and as you evolve, like that's all that really matters. It's mm-hmm. like they're, they're evolving. Therefore I'm willing to listen. And I think that's something that speaks to, again, this collective, um, within, with, with regards to this sort of new way of connecting to people, yeah. you know, whether it's through these audio waves or whether it's like through a blog or a website or whatever it might be, there is no just one right way. And I think everybody's finally seeing that for themselves, but of course there's going to be things that are going to come up that want to challenge that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's happened even with the workforce, as you said, you know, everybody's able to work from home now, but you know, the workforce is so much more about tradition and control that, this is something that they're having to grapple with right now and how they want to manage it. And so I think that we're going to continue to see this. Unfortunately, you know, there's not really anything that I'm going to say that's pessimistic or heavy, but there's nothing I'm going to say either, but that's totally optimistic about where this is going, because I think we're still figuring it out. We're still poking holes in some systems Mm -hmm. that don't want to be poked. Like, no, I've been, I've been like this. I've been this thick lump for a while. And like I said, back to Christianity and you were talking about, you know, for me, I grew up Catholic. And so, to hear family members right now as we speak. I just celebrated my grandmother's 95th birthday. And when we were sitting down at the table, uh, a couple of people, they were, were sort of surprised that they were surprised to be so open-minded to, to, and, and their, in their words that they're accepting that Jesus traveled. This is a conversation we were all having. 
But one of the individuals that was in the table is an elder individual, individual family member of mine was saying, I never would have had the bravery to say such a thing even just 20 years ago. I'm like, the bravery? What do you mean the bravery? It's like, oh yeah, you would have been, you would have been ridiculed that you're just even going off the beaten path of what Christ did. I'm like, for just expressing that Christ most likely traveled and went to different like mm-hmm. temples and ashrams. Like, what do you mean? Like, that's that's so intense. And it's like, oh, it was for me at least. He said to, mm-hmm. to just come out and and accept that. Now I though I feel very progressive to be able to say such things I'm like mm-hmm. what yeah but again that's that's their journey and that's what they're feeling right now and this is the permission that's been given to them or it's been lifted off of them to feel that they can express that you know what i mean yeah absolutely and you know and and that really shows the the transformation from the age of pisces to the age of aquarius right. you know because in the age of pisces we were able to have religious prosecution and inquisition you know but now we're seeing it shift to technology, mm-hmm. right? You know, now it's, you're not allowed, you're allowed to question religious, but you can't question like the provided science. Exactly. You know what I mean? Which is huge. And so, um, and not so much honoring the scientific method, but the idea of like, well, this is the the science that's being presented. And so we're seeing the Inquisition just shift, just just like the pendulum's going to kind of shift. But, you know, what we learn in in Aquarius is just like in the family, the cosmic father and mother can never have peace, just like the parent can't have peace if the children are fighting. Mm. And we are all part of the same family. And as we continue to fight each other, we can't expect peace in the collective because the universal, our universal parents can't find peace because the children are at war. And so it's not until we understand that, you know, there's nothing that connects us other than that universal life force, the spirit, that is going to be able to transcend these issues that we find ourselves in. So, you know, Aquarius also teaches us to be innovative and inventive. You want to do a revolution, another violent revolution? Well, blood creates more blood. Right. You know, this is why there you have to rise above these these processes that are no longer serving us. You know, it's it's insanity to do the same thing over and over again and think of a separate income outcome. But we see this with every bloody revolution that kind of happens. And so it really kind of, with Aquarius, the, the true responsibility comes as, you know, the children of God need to stop fighting and they need to kind of connect and unify that there's something that is so much higher than nationality. There's something so much higher than ethnicity or color of your skin or religion. Um, it's the universal brotherhood, sisterhood, humanitarian connection um, that transcends all and unifies all. It's, right. it's life itself, and everything deserves the unfoldment of that life principle. Very well said, man. Um, you know, this this ability that I wanted to talk about earlier about awakened consciousness without having to, you know, constantly speak about being awakened or constantly speak about or think about being awakened and just actually being in that moment of what this awakening is and how to actually operate with the tools that are being given to us simultaneously is what's going to like release and relieve us from this sort of conflict that we find ourselves in contradiction in a contradictory way that I think, uh, or contradicting way rather, um, that, that this technology is causing for us, you know what I mean? This hatred, because we're seeing so much of who we all are, um, whether through be like technology or whether through be, um, you know, just even like, um, 
well, really through through just technology, we're able to kind of witness that we're more alike than we want to admit, but we're also like looking at the wrong things in order to pick each other apart rather than looking at the common thread of mm-hmm. what we are, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's so funny. Um, we get towards the end and Pisces will welcome us to us at the end, but it was all so simple. All of our solutions were always so simple. All your, you know, overcoming your depression, you know, healing your trauma. It was all so simple. It was it was just love. And it was letting love actually, you know, illuminate through you and taking the blocks of that love inside you and allowing for that true light of creation to shine through. And it's so interesting because, you know, through the Zodiac, through this wheel, there is complexities. You know, there's things we have to learn. But at the end of the day, it was all so simple. It was always right there in front of us, but we we overcomplicated it. We moved it away. We cut it up into so many pieces that we couldn't see the whole anymore. And, you know, as we kind of put it back together, you can really start to understand the quietness of the mystic now. When, you know, the people come up and they say, tell me about enlightenment, and they just smile and they're like, oh, it must just be a facade. And it's just like, no, you you just missed the lesson. Yeah. And um, it takes from going there to here to realize that the lesson was always within and it was always, you know, always getting our attention. But, you know, we had to kind of accept that and kind of open that up. Absolutely, man. Well, well said. Really well said. Yeah, there was like one last, I, I totally even lost this analogy and it's not even important anymore, but I, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm just going to say it because it's like been in the back of my mind. But remember I was in Zion National Park and had this awful feeling, but I get to Zion and there's like this, there's there's like many of the national parks, you know, great things to take in from nature and a reason to go into nature and to view nature. But there was a struggle with the trail that led to this viewpoint that all these people were now all of a sudden going. And I almost felt like I played this little jokingly dialogue with the mountain itself. And the mountain's like, what's going on? You know, like, why is everybody all of a sudden here? Like, this is great, but I can't sustain this. And it would be so difficult to explain to such a miraculous viewpoint and, you know, something like a this, you know, uh, mystical mountain to say, well, we have these little devices in our hands now. We're super eager to show people where we've been, where they're not, they haven't been yet. And so we are here to take this moment in, but not the way that it used to be, where the man who suffered for nothing other than a view was one in maybe 10, maybe two in maybe 10. Now it's everybody just so they can be a proof of where they've been and what they've done without the other individual is having a real causal effect on this trail itself that's literally crumbling because it's like never was meant to sustain this many people based on this, you know, out uh, outcome that mm-hmm. they're looking for. And it just kind of hit me because again, I was looking at this view and I was just surrounded by people who I'm proud to say made it up there. But when they made it up there, their eyes and their hearts weren't gazing at the, the the same thing all at once. They were all just looking at, at it through this like ability of expressing through this technology or this mm-hmm. device. But anyways, yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I wanted to add to that is to kind of just say like how you can kind of witness these things happening right now where it's good that it's making people want to move and express and, you know, be in this place, but are they as present as they would have been? Right. Are they as altruistic about why they're there? You know, that's that's still up for debate right now, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. And, 
you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's so funny because like, even when I think about um, like the 4th of July in the United States, you know, we celebrate it with fireworks and it's just so funny to go to these celebrations and they're always so exciting. Everybody's in a good mood. It's very, you know, everybody's like stoked because we take the revolution very seriously, even though just like revolutions, you know, our revolution kind of di- didn't pan out exactly like, you know, the the people who were actually fighting in that war desired it to. But it's it's amazing to watch people watching fireworks, but they're watching it through their phones, recording on their phones. Oh, and you're yeah. like, what are you, are you literally planning of like going home and like watching these fireworks on your phone at another time, just like eating chips, like drilling farts into your couch? Like, <laughs> oh, remember those fireworks? Like, what the hell? Just like put the phone down and like experience hey, it. Yeah, yeah. What because are we doing here? Um, but you do, you see that like, um, even when concerts. people go up to like people that are like, people that they look up to like they see their favorite musician and they and they just want like a picture and you're like just like share the essence of this creative that you've always desired to meet and just take it the moment where it is um because like it's again it's this like weird kind of thing where we're we're disassociating we're disassociating from what is truly happening which is the moment right that we're in you know and so i think there's a great way to kind of get connected to that but like what are you gonna do like you're gonna post like you think somebody really cares about the fireworks that you posted on their instagram they're watching fireworks they're yeah. not gonna be like oh, oh i like gosh, your fireworks let me like yours yeah. like that external validation like yeah. yeah i did have the best fireworks i had the best spot in that house it's like no you didn't yeah like you didn't even look exactly. but all love you all know love. um but um but always always so funny yeah, I think we again. There's a there's a lot of these conversations that, that get floated around through even other podcasts that you hear, you know. But I think the overarching theme here with Aquarius and the age that we find ourselves in will have to teach us a lot of these lessons about where do we find this fulfillment and what does it really mean to be present without the devices that we've also have innovated that have done wonderful things for us. But there's a time and place to separate. You know, there's a time and place to. Um, to be able to be connected and sometimes to be unconnected in order to be reconnected with something bigger than just the device itself, you know? Sure. And I think that's going to be a balance for, um, for, for us for a very long time, because it seems like this technology, once it's made one, one time, it, it's just a matter of, uh, multiplying and it just happens faster and faster and faster. Um, so we just have to be very hyper aware of this. I think, um, well, I have nothing else to add, man. I don't know if there's anything else you want to say. Well, no, you know, I know we, we've done an episode on the Age of Aquarius before, but I know Age of Aquarius Part 2 is something we want to explore as we move further into that evolution. So I know that that will kind of come up again. Um, but no, I think this is um, a good spot to kind of sign off for today and, uh, you know, bring up more conversations in the future together. Cool, man. Cool. Awesome. Well, until next time. Until next time. Excellent.